a commander's mind worked, I'd probably be a commander myself. I put my head round the door of the sergeant's office and beckoned to Dave Poole. We're going to the West End, Dave. Oh, how nice, Gov. Sex club, is it? No, a jeweller's. Hiding his disappointment, Dave put on his jacket and grabbed a vehicle logbook and a set of car keys. You'll never find anywhere to park a car, not since the mayor's reduced London's traffic congestion, Dave, I said. We'll go on the underground. A mistake. It was a stiflingly hot day, and I resented the convention that required senior CID officers to wear a tie and a jacket. We walked to Westminster tube station, and eventually a train arrived. We'll have to change at Victoria to get a train to Green Park, Gov. Dave was jammed up against a young girl wearing shorts and the top half of a bikini, and who was avidly reading an Italian guidebook to London. Between Dave and me was a Swedish boy with a backpack that looked as though it contained all his worldly possessions, and took up the space of three other passengers. At Victoria, we fought our way through countless itinerant musicians, a heaving mass of humanity, and sundry beggars, to the Victoria Line train for Green Park, and, once again, found ourselves sandwiched between tourists. God knows why these people want to come to London. I'd have thought that backpacking through Afghanistan was preferable any day. Finally, we emerged in Piccadilly, to daylight and London's diesel-laden air. A suave fellow in a tailcoat greeted us as we entered the impressive premises that housed the jeweller's establishment. His very demeanour and appearance indicated to my practised eye that the merchandise would be highly priced. "'May I help you, sir?' The tailcoated one glanced suspiciously at Dave. "'We're police officers and we need to see the manager,' I said waving my warrant card at him. Of course, sir. Tailcoat seemed relieved that we weren't clients. I suppose he didn't fancy having us mixing with minor foreign royalty, rich illegal immigrants, Z-list soap stars and footballers' wives. This way. Our leader piloted us across the thickly carpeted shop floor and up a flight of stairs, before knocking deferentially at a heavy oaken door. The manager was, I suppose, in his mid-fifties, and was dressed in a Savile Row suit that must have cost more than I owned in a fortnight. He introduced himself as Giles Fancourt. "'I'm Detective Chief Inspector Harry Brock of Scotland Yard,' I said, having decided not to trot out homicide and serious crime command every time I introduced myself. "'And this is Detective Sergeant Poole. "'And what can I do for you, gentlemen?' With a flourish of his hand, Fancourt indicated two expensive chairs with which his beautifully appointed office was furnished. I imagined them to be genuine antiques, but Dave later told me that they were reproduction Chippendales. He knows about things like that. I understand that you made a report to the police at West End Central Police Station regarding a Mrs Eunice Bailey, Mr Fancourt. Ah, yes, Mrs Bailey. Fancourt leaned back in his high-backed leather executive chair and steepled his fingers. Let me see now. He shot forward and took a file from a desk drawer and then glanced at a calendar. It was a month ago, Mr. Brock, on the 17th of May, to be precise. I got the impression that Mr. Fancourt was always precise. Mrs. Bailey brought us her wedding ring, To cut a long story short, she complained that it was too tight on her finger and inquired if we could remove it and enlarge it. 
One of our technicians, he's been with us for over twenty years, cut the ring from her finger and assured Madame that an enlargement would not be a problem. Is this technician here today? asked Dave. Uh, yes, of course. Dave glanced at me. Do you think we should have a word, sir? He always called me sir in the presence of civilians. Whenever he called me sir in private, it meant something entirely different. Yes, good idea. I glanced at Fancourt. Is that possible? I asked. Indeed. Fancourt pressed down a switch on his intercom. Celia, get hold of Higgins from the workshop for me and ask him to come to my office. He paused. Immediately. We waited for at least ten minutes for the man Higgins to appear. I suppose he was a valuable asset to the firm and therefore secure from interference from above.